Amen. Praise God. Praise God that he sees us for who we are and he opens his arms wide for us as he wants uh, each of us to come to him for repentance and forgiveness as well. Um, So praise be to God. Um, So it's been a good and crazy week in the McLean households. Um, uh, First off, at the beginning of the week, uh, we had a plumber come, and we've been having plumbing issues at our new house ever since we moved in. Um, It turns out there was a big rock and a piece of carpet or cloth or something in our plumbing system, uh, and I stalled a a ring doorbell um, just so we feel safer at home. We don't have any windows up there to see who comes knocking on our door. We don't know if it's any of you who hooligans or not, but we want to see who's knocking on our doors, Um, and so uh, as the plumbers are working outside, uh, we use that device to eavesdrop on the plumbers, Um, and uh, uh, it was quite funny hearing them uh, converse with one another, saying, wow, there's a big rock, or wow, there's a piece of carpet in these guys' plumbing system, Um, but we got that taken care of. Monday night, uh, we had a board meeting uh, here, Um, and while I was off away at the board meeting, uh, our son Ezra decided to walk uh, for the first time, so uh, that was fun. That was sweet, yeah. He's, he's a slow learner, slow developer ever since birth with the struggles at birth, and uh, he's been a slow kiddo, but he finally did it. The, the kid does have a pair of legs, as it turns out, um, but that was fun, and then this, uh, we just got back last night from a trip to Michigan visiting my family. Um, my dad and I kind of have a running tradition of watching March Madness together. Are there any March Madness fans out there? A couple, uh, not, not nearly as much. I know this is Buckeye territory, and, and, and Buckeye, you, you guys are good at football, okay at basketball. Um, it's all right. Michigan State, we, we were awful as well. Uh, we can all uh, commiserate uh, together. But, yes, Dave's a big one. Um, sorry, Dave, uh, wherever you are. Um, I think downstairs. Uh, But today, uh, we're going to continue our series on marching uh, for missions. As again, it's the month of March, and so that means it's a good time to focus on missions. And it's only a two-week series. Last week, we started it. Last week, we talked about the need to be sent, send me on my way. Paul talks about the process. Someone needs to be sent, and then that person who was sent can then preach the word. And then when that person preaches the word, another person is able to hear the word. They're able to believe in Jesus, and then they're able to call on the name of the Lord. So so this whole process of someone coming to a belief in Jesus, coming to a saving belief, is all hinges on that first person being sent into the ministry. So we need to to be sent into ministry. We took a look at Isaiah and how Isaiah in chapter 6 and his vision of the Lord um, as he's sitting on the throne, uh, he was so eager to say, here am I, Lord, send me. Here I am, send me to do your work. And so we need to have that same attitude, that same eager attitude towards God to pray to God to send us on our way to do your work work because that's where it all starts. And so this morning, as we continue this series on uh, marching uh, for missions, we're going to be talking about uh, the Great Commission, the Great Commission. And we're going to be taking a look at Matthew chapter 28. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. 
This is one of the most well-known passages uh, throughout uh, the whole Bible, and it's a passage uh, that I don't believe uh, we have talked about yet here as a church, uh, at least since I have been here. Um, But this is known, again, as the Great Commission. And a commission is just a fancy word uh, for a command given to a group of people. So all we're talking about here when we say the Great Commission is we're talking about a great command that some Someone gives to a group of people. That is all that we are talking about. And so here in Matthew chapter 28, this takes place after the resurrection. So next Sunday is Palm Sunday where Jesus triumphantly enters uh, the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. And then that Friday after, uh, he uh, dies on the cross. And then that Sunday, he's resurrected. And in two Sundays, we're going to talk about the resurrection. And Friday, we'll talk uh, about uh, the death. But this takes place after all of these events of the triumphal entry and the death and resurrection. So Jesus, uh, when when he uh, was crucified on the cross, he rested in the grave uh, for uh, really kind of like those one and a half days. But on the third day, he was raised from the grave. And some people are not aware that Jesus actually, in between his resurrection, he lived another 40 days here on earth. And he was ministering and teaching and witnessing to the people here on earth. And it provided as great evidence uh, to support the idea that, yes, Jesus truly was resurrected from the grave. Because we know it's a historical fact, everybody agrees whether they are Christian or not, historical fact that there was a man named Jesus who died, and that same man was buried in a grave, and somehow that body went missing. Those are historical facts that every single person will agree um, if they have any sort of reason. Um, uh, But here after that resurrection, after his body went missing, he he was able to witness to uh, the the, the people around him. He's able to witness to his disciples. And here in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is witnessing, he's ministering to his disciples. And so it says in chapter 28, verse 16, it reads, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that is the great commission, the great command that Jesus gives. So here it it infers that in verse 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. If you look through the other gospels, you see that Jesus actually had a couple of encounters with his uh, disciples after his resurrection. And so it infers that Jesus already um, had a a connection with his disciples and, and he told his disciples to go to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them in the land of Galilee. And so Jesus, he, he uh, gathered his disciples, and this are, these are the last words that are recorded in the book of Matthew that Jesus instructs to his now 11 disciples because his, uh, his other disciple, Judas, betrayed him. And Jesus said in verses 18 through 20, I'll read this again, and then we'll break it down bit by bit. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so this morning, we're really going to break down uh, this piece of text here. We're going to break this Great Commission uh, piece by piece. And so this first uh, section of the Great Commission reads, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus, as he gathers his disciples, talking to his disciples on this mount, he starts off with this great commission, this great command, not, not, not a suggestion, but this great command that he gives to his disciples saying, listen, guys, all of authority, all of authority, not some of it, not most of it, not a bit, but all of authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So this authority, of course, was given from God to Jesus, that God is the only being who would be able to give this authority to Jesus. And, 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 it, and Jesus is very clear. He says it has been given. He's very clear to note that this authority has been given. That means there was a time, there's a time before this where Jesus, he did not have that authority. If I gave you a chocolate bar this morning, that means before I gave you that chocolate bar, you would not have had that chocolate bar. If you are given something, you can trace it back to that moment of time, and that means all the time before that, you did not have that. So all the time, whenever God did give Jesus all this authority, it's not exactly clear. I mean, we we can make pretty good predictions and inferences when exactly, but we're not sure exactly. But at some point in time, God did give Jesus all of authority in heaven and on earth. So there's a couple things that we can learn from this. Number one, Jesus is subordinate to God. Jesus is not on the same playing field as God. As again, there was a time where Jesus did not have this authority and Jesus needed to receive this authority from none other than God. And so we we can't put God and Jesus on an equal playing field because here it is God giving the authority to Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 28, 28, we won't read it, but that might be a good cross-reference for you, kind of uh, talks about uh, the the authority and how uh, God is going to hand all things over to Jesus. But in the end, Jesus is still in subjection to God. So here that Jesus, he has all of this authority in heaven and on earth been given to him from God. So he's, he's on a lower level than God, but yet some people, they fail to give Jesus the credit and the glory that he deserves. Because again, it's not just some authority that God is giving Jesus. It's not just most of the authority, but it is all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. So, so this is no ordinary man here. Jesus is a special son of God here who has been given all authority. And I find it very interesting that, that he starts this great commission by telling his disciples that, hey guys, I have all of this authority. That tells me that, again, this is not just some suggestion. Jesus is not just telling his disciples that, hey, you should probably go and do what I'm about to tell you. But, but he, he's being very clear with his disciples saying, hey, I have all of authority, and so you better listen to what I'm about to tell you. And so in verse 19, Jesus says, after all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he says, go. Go. This this ties into our discussion last week. We must first be sent into the ministry. We must first go. We must first take that first step. 
Again, that first step is often the hardest. It's the law of inertia. Objects at rest stay at rest. Objects at motion tend to stay in motion. So first, we need to go. We need to go. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter where you go. We put a lot of emphasis, we put a lot of attention on where we are going. But rather, when we're talking about our ministry, the work that we do for God and sharing this gospel message, I would encourage you not to focus on the where, but I'd encourage you to focus on the when. When am I going to go into the work of God and share this gospel message to others? And hopefully, that answer is today. Hopefully, today, you will go. You will go into the ministry because we talked about last week, that is the first step. Someone having a belief in Jesus hinges on us being sent and going into the ministry. So you can go and serve in Africa, you can go and serve in Peru or Mexico or Haiti, or you can go and serve in Florida, you can go and serve at Columbus, Cincinnati, you can serve right here in Clark County. The harvest is plentiful. We need workers. We need people to collect the harvest and and spread this gospel message. So quit focusing on the where and focus on the when, and that when needs to be now. You need to go. And so Jesus says, as we continue along, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And so after we are commanded to go, Jesus commands us to make disciples A disciple is simply a follower, a student, or students of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. So I'm going to kind of dumb it down a bit and just say a disciple is a follower. A disciple is someone who follows another being. And so Jesus here, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So here Jesus, he he commands, he instructs his disciples with authority saying, hey, you need to go. And when you go, you need to make followers. You need to go and make followers. Well, then we should be asking followers of who? Who do we need these people to be following? And the clear answer is Jesus. We we need to make followers of Jesus. We need to go and be sent into the ministry and make followers of Jesus. But first off, before we make followers of Jesus, there's two very important things that are kind of inferred here because of the audience that Jesus is talking to. Before we can make disciples, before we can make followers of Jesus, first off, we need to be familiar with who Jesus is. And after that, we need to follow Jesus ourselves. And so Jesus here, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his people who, all, who are already followers. He's talking to Peter and James and John, like, like his closest followers. And so it's already assumed that they know Jesus. And it's already assumed that they are following Jesus. But we can't make a follower of someone if we don't know who they are. If I told you this morning that you all need to go and make followers of Julius Caesar you would probably have no idea where to begin because I'm sure we've all heard of the name Julius Caesar, but I'm guessing most of us don't really know him. We know of him, but, but we don't really know Julius Caesar. So, so we would not be very good at making followers of Julius Caesar. But here we are commanded to make followers of Jesus. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to know Jesus. And, and we all know the name of Jesus. We, we, we know of Jesus but we really need to know. 
We need to know what Jesus did on a daily basis. We need to know how Jesus conducted himself uh, privately and how he conducted himself to others. We need to know Jesus and his relationship to his heavenly father and Jesus and his relationship to us. We need to know who Jesus is as the son of God. You won't know where to begin with in making a follower of Jesus if you do not know who he is in the first place. And some of us, you are right on. Some of us have a very good knowledge. Some of us have a very good understanding of Jesus. But a lot of people in the world, they don't know where to begin with in making a follower of Jesus because they don't know Jesus. They know of him, but they don't know him. And so after we know Jesus, after we know how Jesus conducted his life on a daily basis, then we can resemble that. Then we ourselves can be followers of Jesus. We can be a disciple of Jesus. We we read through the scriptures and we see that, hey, Jesus prayed to his heavenly father privately, frequently. We, we, We read through the gospels and we see that, hey, Jesus, he served the needy. That, hey, Jesus, he, he shared the message of the kingdom. And so we go, we we know all this, and we reciprocate this ourselves. And we go in our daily lives, and we pray to our Heavenly Father. We meditate and study the word of God. We go and serve the needy. We, We go and share the message of the kingdom. So it's only after you know Jesus and only after you are you are a follower of Jesus that you can make disciples. You see how Jesus can assume here? Because we have to be aware of his audience. He's talking to people who already know him and who are already followers of him. But Jesus makes a clear distinction that when we make disciples, we need to make disciples, not disciples here in America, not disciples of the Jewish population only, but it's disciples of all nations. This, Jesus here, he's telling his disciples, listen, guys, this, is, this message is not just for the Jews. This message is not just for the Jews, but it is for all nations, all peoples, all languages, all colors. Everybody needs to be a follower of Jesus. And that's why I love supporting ministries like LHI because me, myself, I'm probably not going to have the opportunity to go to Africa and Haiti and Russia and Peru and Mexico and all these different countries. And I, myself, by myself, I'm not going to be able to, to make disciples of all nations. But when we come together as a church, when we come together as an organization, especially with our technological advancements, this becomes a very realistic goal that we really can make disciples of all nations if we come together and work as one. So go and make disciples of all nations. And so after that, if we continue in verse uh, 19, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So once we have made a follower of Jesus, then we are to baptize them. And we are to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Some people will will throw these uh, names together as one just because they're listed bam, bam, bam. Um, But uh, I I would advise against that um, personally. Um, But here uh, Jesus says to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this is to to take place 
while or after we are making disciples and followers of Jesus. Because we have to baptize someone once they have a belief, once they have a faith in Jesus and in God, then we should baptize them. We should baptize them into this faith. As baptism is a representation to everybody else of an inward commitment and an inward faith towards God and his son, Jesus. And when we say the, the word baptize, it's actually the Greek word baptizo. Uh, yeah, I, I like it when studying foreign languages and the, the, the different words are very similar uh, to the English word that I'm familiar with. So that's a Greek word that you can probably remember. Uh, baptizing Greek is baptizo. Um, and the nominative form. Um, uh, but here, uh, baptizo means to literally be immersed. So when we are baptizing someone, we, we are immersing them underwater. And we are immersing them underwater, and we are lifting them up out of the water. And this act of dipping someone under the water and, and, and picking them up from the water, it represents the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It, it, it's a beautiful image. It's a beautiful picture taking place here. If you look through Romans chapter 6, the first couple of verses, Paul talks about this process as our baptism as a representation of the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And it represents the washing away of our sins. And so baptism is a beautiful beautiful thing. I'd encourage if anyone here has a faith in God, has a faith in Jesus, and has not yet been baptized, please come talk to me. It would be my greatest joy to talk to you about being baptized because there is no greater joy. There is no greater joy than publicly declaring to the world that, hey, I am a disciple. I am a follower of Jesus, and I want the whole world to know that my sins have been washed away by the precious blood of Jesus. So please, if anyone in here has not gone through the process of baptism, please, please, please come talk to me, and it would be my great joy to walk you through that process. Now, a lot of people, when we talk about being baptized, a lot of people think that we need to wait to get our lives in order before we can be baptized. That's a misconception. That's a misunderstanding that a lot of people have. But if we wait until we have our lives all situated, if we wait till our lives are in order and we're perfect, let me tell you, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So the moment that you have that faith, the moment that you want to be a follower of Jesus, the moment you are a follower of Jesus, then I encourage you to be baptized, be immersed under the water, and come up and represent the death and resurrection of your Lord and Savior and proclaim it to the ends of the earth. So go and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then after we, we, we are done baptizing them, then Jesus says in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So here Jesus, uh, he, he kind of goes along with this notion that the baptism is not the end. We, we don't put our lives in order first and then become baptized because Jesus says after we have baptized them, then we got to teach them everything that Jesus has commanded them because this is just the beginning. 
This is just the beginning. The, the, the decision, the dedication to become a follower of Jesus, that's just the beginning. Trust me. It's a, it's a long process. It's not an easy process. And it is just the beginning of us continuing to grow and learn more about Jesus. And so we, after we baptize people, we, we need to teach them to observe all that I, all that Jesus have commanded you. And so we ourselves, again, Jesus here is assuming that we ourselves know all that Jesus has commanded us. So, so again, we need to be familiar with the words of Jesus. We need to be familiar that, that, that Jesus encouraged us to, to stay away from lust and, and to stay away from being greedy and, and to first and most importantly, to love God. And, and secondly, to love people. We need to know all these things that Jesus has commanded us. As the great commission, the great command is not the only command that Jesus gave throughout his ministry. And so we need to be aware of these. We, 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 we need to, to know these. We need to have them stored in our heart and our mind. And we need to be teaching these people, the, the, these new followers of Christ, teach them to observe all that Jesus have commanded each and every one of us. As it's a process. It's just the beginning. And then finally, at the end of verse 20, Jesus says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. I can only imagine how comforting these words must have been for his disciples. As their best friend, their leader, their teacher, their role model, their savior was about to send, ascend into heaven and leave their side. But Jesus assures them, he says, listen, guys, I am with you always. Always I am with you to the end of the age. As right now, right now as we speak, about 2,000 years after Jesus spoke these words to his disciples, right now, Jesus, he is sitting at the right hand of God. And Jesus, he is interceding on your behalf. He's interceding for you as he is with you at all times. As Jesus has conquered death, Jesus rose victoriously from the grave. He was perishable and now he is imperishable with a new resurrected body. And so always at all times, we have our high priest Jesus with us to the end of the age, and the end of the age in which Jesus himself is going to descend from heaven to earth, and Jesus is going to establish his Father's kingdom here on earth. Because let me tell you, God gave Jesus that authority. Because God gave Jesus all of authority under heaven and under earth, or in earth. God gave him that authority to establish that kingdom here on earth to the end of the age. Jesus will descend and establish his father's kingdom. And all in all, Jesus will be in subjection to God and we will live eternally with God, his son Jesus, in the coming kingdom where everything wrong with this world will be made right.
And so this, this right here, this is the Great Commission, where we have to go, we have to go make disciples, we have to baptize, and we have to teach, and we're encouraged that Jesus has authority, and we're encouraged that Jesus is with us always to the end of the earth, when he will come and establish his Father's kingdom here on earth. And as we continue through this great command, as we go along and we live out this great commission, we must remember the end goal at mind. Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 14 reads, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That is the end goal for this gospel This message of the gospel message of the kingdom being preached throughout the whole world. It's not until this gospel of the kingdom is proclaimed throughout the whole world, then Jesus will come. The end will come and Jesus will establish God's kingdom here on earth. It's a wonderful, it's a beautiful process that we are all a part of. As Jesus here, he's been given the authority. He's not suggesting to us that we go and make disciples and baptize and teach. But this is a command of our Lord and Savior, the same Lord and Savior who has all authority, that same Lord and Savior is going to establish the kingdom here on earth. And that's our hope as Christians. That's our hope that drives us on a daily basis. So let's go marching for missions. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the brilliant words of your son, Jesus. Father, I thank you that you've granted your son all of authority. I'm thankful that you've granted him an imperishable body. Father, I'm thankful for the hope that we have that one day your son is going to come to this earth to establish your kingdom. Father, I pray that everybody in this room plays an important part of this process of proclaiming the message of your kingdom to the ends of the earth, to all nations, to all people. And so, Father, I pray that you watch over us. I pray that you bless the ministry here at North Hills Church of God. And I pray that you help us march to do your missions. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.